With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Still in the basement, no longer alone. With my homegirl Therese on the microphone. Music politics are just chatting it up. Brunch in the basement, see that's what's up. You never know who might run through. Legendary artist or someone brand new. You miss a lot when you miss one day. At least that's what I heard somebody say. But it doesn't really matter what whoever says. It's always a good show with Javon and Therese. Yeah. Brunch in the basement with Javon and Therese. Yeah. Let's see who we got today or what we doing today. Or whatever it is, it's going to be good. Love and happiness Yeah Something that can make you do wrong Make you do right Yeah Get 
Everybody had a great week. 
and you know, Jay, I know that the the latter part of your week was filled with correctives and you know, and getting straightened. Dental health is a must, you know. I see you holding your little cheeks there. Oh. <laughs> Hope everybody had a great week. I'm super excited about today's guest because he just triggers all kinds of nostalgia, you know. And uh, you know, just it's it's an amazing kickoff to what others would like to be known as uh, Black History Month. And I'm not a hater, you know. I recognize, you know, that anytime, you know, folks take a take time out to recognize something, but I'm also a realist in understanding that, you know, every month, you know, we would not exist as a society without the contributions of the African-American community. So, therefore, every month is Black History Month because I'm pretty sure that there were things being created all 12 calendar months. So February is um, where we will, you know, I'll say highlight some of those. That's the highlight month. But, you know, let's just not perpetuate that further um, situation with the whole Black History Month and this is, you know, some kind of whatever. But having Corey here, and I say Corey because that, that's his character name. His actual name is Mark Copage. But um, having uh, Corey here, um, sets the tone for some of that because he starred alongside the legendary, um, and, and I say now, Angel, uh, Diane Carroll. Um, and, you know, I just want to know what some of that was like and just, uh, you know, and just his whole thoughts on the business and, you know, particularly being actually, if I'm not mistaken, one of the first um uh, child stars, you know, African American child stars that that was there in a public eye and and on a hit show in the seventies, like that just didn't happen, you know. Um, Julia was was um, legendary and and it it's part of our archives, so you know I would love to know what that was like for him and you know and a few others and and if folks want to call in to talk to him, you know, because when I when I put the post up, you know, I got a lot of great responses from it. And, you know, of course, I had to add some photos in there, too, just to, you know, trigger some of that stuff. And I just want to want to see what folks out there are thinking about it. And, you know, and we could talk about the, the late, great Diane Carroll. We just lost her last year. And, you know, she left us with so many, many gifts, you know, um, and and uh, actually one of her one of my favorite Diane Carroll contributions has a great soundtrack as well by the legendary Curtis Mayfield. So it's just so much history wrapped up in all of this, and I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of that, let's hit it. Let's, let's hit with something else. Let's, let's, let me see. Now, I know that Javon, we can do this telepathically because she's got that 70. She's 70 soul sister number one. And I know in the theme of, let's say, I'm gonna mention some groups or whatever. Now I'm not. I don't want you to play any of those. I just want you to vibe with me on these names here, like Gladys Knight and the Pips, like Blue Magic, like Curtis Mayfield. So whenever you're ready, hit it. I got something just for you, right? Yeah.
us with some amazing music. Now, it's funny that you started off with Gladys and and, uh, on and on because that's off that soundtrack I was talking about by the legendary late great Curtis Mayfield and that's when Gladys had her pips backing her up, you know, and you know, we got our pip dance, Jay. So, uh, and shout out to to Bubba Knight, too. Um, We connected uh, via Facebook. Love, love, love the pips. In fact, Little a little bit of trivia. Um, that was actually my first concert. Was a Gladys Knight and the Pips concert. My mother took me to. So shout out to my mom for you know introducing me to legendary acts and and my love of Gladys Knight to this day. Um, Mavis Staples and also Stevie Wonder. And if you really love me, that was another one. That in fact, if I'm not mistaken, was a Pink soundtrack, a Pink eight track rather. I think that 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 eight track was pink. Yeah, yeah. I mentioned eight tracks. I'm, um, you know, I've, I've uh, I'm blessed enough to have been through real to real eight tracks, cassettes, CDs, MP3s, now digitals, and you know, can speak from a variety of sources. And and, uh, and yeah, those eight tracks were popping. Jay, what else you got cooking over there? 
I love it. I love it. I'm sorry. That's what I get, man. I talk too damn much. But <laughs> oh, good. You know, what's, you know what's interesting? I think that you know there were some. Speaking of like uh, shows in the late '60s, '70s, there were quite a few. One of the one of the things I remember most about watching television one that it was in black and white, and had a dial. Dial, you know. Yeah. And when the dial broke off, you used pliers. But um, and if the antenna broke off, you used a hanger or some uh, aluminum foil. We made it work. But one of the things I remember about those shows is there wasn't um, there wasn't a lot of diversity then, and you know, so you kind of became astute with knowing the other shows like uh, you know, Welcome Back, Cotter, and you know, all of the Barnaby Jones and. Uh, Ironside and you know all of those 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 shows back then, and I can recall you know and I think I had to, you know I looked it up as well that um, Julia was the one of the first African American um, featured uh, stars of the show where they did not uh, stereotype uh, the role that she played, so that was like really groundbreaking then for them to do um, because typically roles that, you know, you saw starring in, like we were never, ever short for talent or being featured, um, you know, even if it's one person at a time, but to have them in non-stereotypical uh, roles was, was paramount. So, you know, Diane Carroll um, playing the nurse um, and, you know, and then Corey, the character Corey, rather, Mark Copage playing her son, you know, had a dynamic that did not exist prior to for us on television, you know. Um, we got Nat King Cole's show, of course, and, you know, then we had Flip Wilson. He had his show, and um, I know I'm missing um, uh, I'm missing somebody, missing somebody's. It wasn't a whole lot of them, but you get my drift. We needed those images, and um, we needed to uh, broaden the scope of what the world saw of people of color and, and specifically African-American um, actors. So what you got for us, Jay? You got some other 70s? You going to wrap that 70s up?
I got another one for you. Ooh. I'm not sure if y'all know this, but uh, Javon can dig in those crates because she used to be a DJ. So she's got crates upon crates upon crates <laughs> over there. And her her love of music is really deep. So what you trying to say? You trying to say something? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So 
that's where all this good, good music, this soul-wrenching music uh, comes from because her love of music had her spinning it on a regular basis, on the ones and twos. And I wonder if she had a DJ name. I'm wondering. Hmm. Hmm. I'll get that out of her when she can really flush it out. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. (laughs) So I'm interested, you know, in, in talking to Mark because, you know, a lot of times the stories of, of uh, child actors being that young, you know, I want to know from his perspective now some of the reflective, <laughs> I see you, some of the reflective stuff, um, you know, that he thinks about in, in terms of the industry and, you know, and having children in the industry and on that, that sort of thing, you know, um, you know, I've got a few uh, uh, friends in my life that were child, child actors, including my wife, and um, it's it's really interesting their their take of the industry and you know and how and and if in essence he has any children or is connected to any children that um, he mentors uh, too. So that's another that's another good point I want to ask when he comes on. Now the seventies. That seventies fashion. Oh man, like, mm. we had the bell bottoms, we had the hip huggers, we had the marshmallows. Or was that? Yeah, the marshmallows was definitely seventies, right? I think that was seventies. And the afros, and you know, we've always been just groundbreaking and incredibly unique in our in our uh, hairstyles and and our ability to quaff our crowns. You know, sisters and brothers, okay? You know, they had the froze. It had to be just right. You had to have the best instrument to pick your hair, you know, whether it was the fist pick or the, the double-sided switchblade uh, uh, pick or the straight-up rake, depending on how, you know, thick your coils were. But I just remember those times being um, uh, about clothing and and dancing and, and, and good times and, you know, and, and some revolutionary uh, social activism on these streets, too, trying to pave the way, <laughs> pave the way for, and, and change um, the way the landscape of society um, is. You know, we lost a lot of people in the 60s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, and, you know, it was a time for revolution. Gil Scott Heron and, and just a whole lot of folks, you know, making good, good revolutionary, progressive, supportive music that soundtracks some of those movements too. Um, and we still, we're still fighting. We're still trying to um, change what the narrative is. You know, we are, we are um, not clearly not going anywhere. So we are just, you know, showing you that diversity and making the world a better place is what it is. You know, Stevie Wonder was uh, all over that that era, and as was uh, Curtis Mayfield. Again, you know, I just think for Curtis Mayfield because he, you know, like Mavis Staples, how she just kind of sits on the lyrics, you know, the intro of the song, boom, 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 and the, her first her first sound is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, she does this grunt. So when you have when you have that kind of spirit about you, embracing a song, and and you can just grunt, you don't have to say words. You know that's some that's some powerful stuff coming through. I was gonna say something else, but that's some that's some powerful stuff getting ready to blaze the microphone. 
and and uh, you know just how he entered um, the first verse and Freddie said, uh-huh. oh, you know, we just knew what that was in our soul, you know, and he just left it there, you know, before the before the uh, chorus or what is that? I'm, you know, I'm not a song aficionado. I just uh, I just love them, you know, but. All those times just provoke that kind of memory. Jay, what you got for us? You got some more? I know you do. Policeman, 
was a gun, thought he was the one. Shot him down, y'all. That ain't right. Then his mama screamed. Ain't no need for sunlight. Ain't no need for moonlight. Ain't no need for street lights. It's burning real bright. Some folks say we gon' fight. Cause this here thing just ain't right. 
You want more? Mm-hmm. I want more. always. Okay. Always. I, I got a little bit more for you. Is this, okay. this one thing about the seventies was uh, a lot of love, right? And um, yeah, still love. Quick one. Uh oh. 
iPad this morning with LaBelle. Shout out to the legends, Patty LaBelle, the legendary Nona Hendrix, and the legendary Sarah Dash. Yes, yes, and yes, Jay. Yes. Can I say, I am giving um, Sony Music fits. They keep confiscating my videos, (laughs) saying they own all this music. But you know what? I'm sorry, but they may own the money, the monetary value of it, but they can't own this music. Sorry. This music belongs to us. I mean, we don't own it contractually. We don't own it um, monetarily by any means, but we own it soulfully. Yes. If you know what I mean. That is our music, and you can't stop me from playing it. Been playing for years, and they may one day. I don't get, I don't get my contractual ducks in a row. They just may be able to stop me. But for now, I'm gonna keep on because um. Well, they'll just investigate it and find out you got the rights to play it and then late release it. That's all they do. Exactly. Um, you know, like, like, like this one.
the legendary Silver featuring that fine ass Foster Silvers. I had yes, that poster w- from the right uh, that write out magazine centerfold poster on the wall. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Boy, I, I had a thing for some Fosdo, you know, some Foster Silvers back in the day. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness, I think he was one of my first crushes. Really? Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um <laughs> they stopped another video another um another video. <laughs> he says oh, your broadcast the owner may of the material may review your video to see if it matches their content. Well they can view it if they want. <laughs> I'm going to resume my damn video. I mean, again, we don't have the rights to any of the music we're playing, but we're playing it we're playing it in celebration and please support it and buy it if you don't have it. You can download the music on um any of your systems where you buy and stream music. Um Apple Music, aka iTunes, you know, buy it. Um, we're celebrating it. We own the music in our souls, but not contractually. So um, I don't believe that Mr. Copage is going to join us today, something tells me. Um, And I've been talking to him throughout the week. Actually, he and I have been speaking regularly for a month, and he was excited about the show, but I think Maybe a situation where he has to work. And um, if that's the case, then I apologize to anybody who was excited about calling in or or speaking to him. But um, I still want to honor that show, pay tribute to the show to the best of my ability without bringing him on. No problem. Um, however, if he if he does call, definitely we'll bring him on. But he must be working. He's having um, issues with the project manager and so forth and so on. So, um, you know that that is what it is. That's real life. Yes. So he calls. Um, for those of you just joining us. I had a tooth issue, <laughs> a dental issue, and that's what's going on with my speaking and my whatever. Um, but I, at the risk of giving myself more pain than I, is necessary, I think it's important. And Rez, you, you mentioned something that I hadn't even thought about when I bookmarked which is um, that this is the beginning of Black History Month. And um, to kick off Black History Month, talking about the show Julia, that was so smart, even though I wasn't even thinking that way. That show was phenomenal. And it 
it was the first show where a black person, more or less a black woman, was seen in a non-servitude role, either as right. a servant or as um, a step and Fletcher kind of, you know, kind of screw up role, lazy and shiftless. For those right. of you too young to have watched it when it was on, I implore you to go online and look at an episode. You'll be amazed at how dignified and classy um, she was in that role. I mean, you won't be amazed because now we know that we are that way anyway. But back then, we knew who we were, but we weren't depicted that way on television. And it was wonderful to see it back then. Um, She was a nurse. She was a single mom. She was a single mom because she was widowed. She had a son. His name was Corey. He was the cutest little boy, smart. And I recently watched an episode, and, you know, his little best friend was a little white boy. And... (laughs) The little girl that played Cindy from the Brady Bunch had guest starred on that show. Mm. And although it was a sitcom, I'm sorry, although it was a sitcom, it touched on some serious issues. First of all, it's on it's on YouTube if you want to watch it, but he and his little friend decided to play They were playing with the little girl that played Cindy. And she wanted to play girl games. And they got bored of playing jump rope with her. And they said, uh, he said, I'm tired of playing rope. Let's play Indians and pretend we captured a white woman and tie her up. (laughs) So she goes running, no, no. You know, it, the whole show was very, very racial. That episode in particular, I think I posted it on my Facebook page. I will post it on the In the Basement with Javon page um, for your viewing pleasure. But that it was just on television, just as simple as that. And also, you know, he was blamed for scribbling and coloring on the wall and some ra- there was like some race racist racial tension in that show um and this is in the during the time where race well race is still an issue and a factor but it was like right around the time like I guess I'd say right after Dr. King was was assassinated. Mm-hmm. Right. It, yeah, it was it was heavy times in this country, and um, it was that show opened the doors for shows like the Cosby Show. Cosby wasn't the right. first show to show an affluent black family. Mm-hmm. It's just that right. um, 
Julio was 1960s, 1970s affluent. You know, mm-hmm. it opened, it it was the precursor or the prerequisite, if you will, for a show like Blackish even, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think in between um, Julia and the Cosby's, we had uh, good times where, you know, um, there was a depiction of uh, both mother and father in the home, mm-hmm. you know, um, and which kind of opened the doors for Cosby's and, and, and black issues and, you know, all the ones that come, you know, and it's, um, it's interesting how, you know, the times, like you said, I totally agree. You write spot on with um, art imitating life or, you know, which is basically the artist's job to, um, depict the stories of life at the time when it uh, is set and each one of those had that hard dialogue you know like good times they you know with uh, John Amos and Esther Roll at the helm uh, they had a lot of controversial dialogue as well wrapped up in humor you know yeah always absolutely absolutely and you know it's so interesting but a lot of the things that we went through as a people, we did get through them with humor, you know? I I I know that, you know, my mother we we were poor. There's no other way to look at it financially anyway. But we had a good time, man. We never wanted for anything, and mm-hmm. we danced. Mm-hmm. We entertained ourselves. Um, we performed in the house, in the street. We we found a way to not be hungry, <laughs> and. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm how to not even realize I I didn't know I was poor until some 12 year old from I was 12 years old and I was skating in my neighborhood and one of my friend's uh, nieces came by she was about my age 12 or 13 and you know we all went to say hi and meet her and stuff and she said, she looked around at my neighborhood and she said, so this is the ghetto, huh? Whoa. Yeah, and I Whoa. looked around. I was like, what? This is... So, as you know, I grew up in the Bronx and I knew of areas that were a lot worse off than my neighborhood, but still, I would never call any of those neighborhoods the ghetto either, you know? Although songs about the ghetto, Living in the City, Stevie Wonder, mm-hmm. I did accept those songs as songs talking about me and mine. So it's it's funny, that perspective. I, I didn't think I still don't think of where I grew up or how I grew up growing up in the ghetto or negative. I think I had a great childhood and I thank my mother for that. 
Grandmother, and, Father. You know, and, and I want to thank you for for yes, absolutely. I, I want to thank you for separating when you said poor or, or the use of the term um, poor and you specified financially because, you know, um, you certainly weren't poor of anything else um, having to do with that. And, you know, when we think about um, rich or, or um, just the word broke, it's all financial because everything else you you are in abundance of and just want to remind you of that. Right. People. We mm-hmm. are we are rich in, in resources. We are rich in, in things that we have to um that have been stripped for a very long time, but not uh to the point of our demise. So we need to kinda consider that and keep that up front. Absolutely. Absolutely. I wanna take a moment and just thank everybody who is watching the live feed. I can't really see you, see who's watching or what your comments are right now. Um, Excuse me for my demeanor. I had a dental procedure yesterday. And the dentist said to me as I was leaving, she said, if the pain becomes unbearable, um, come back and see me Monday. Like what? What's she gonna it, do? <laughs> I guess she's gonna. And she told me she couldn't take the tooth because they had to try to save it first. I'm like, I'm not emotionally attached to this damn tooth. Take it. <laughs> you can have it for free. Like what? <laughs> Matter of fact, I'll pay you to take it. And she was like, Oh no, Miss Armstrong. Because we don't see, I mean, they use soldering, soldering irons. It, I felt like it was a construction site in there, man. Wow. Yeah, man. I'm like, wow. Yeah, the Ooh. chick had the nerve to say to me, she did, She all she saw was a little cavity. So it might be fractured in there because I was having this pain. I was like, mm. okay, fine. you know, just rip it out. What, what are we doing here? What are we doing? Same thing, you know. Look, uh, this is just billing. Yeah, right. If look, anything that I don't need to survive, if it ain't, if it's causing me pain, take it. Lord, take it away. Take it, like. You <laughs> makes me laugh when that hurts. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, because I'm I'm watching you and and it's your your expressions and you know it's just hilarious. <laughs> you can see me, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't see you. Mm. Anyway, um, what what were some yeah. of your favorite favorite shows? In the seventies. Mm. Well, definitely. I think I think um, I think I watched Julia in the sixties, the late sixties, for some reason. I think it yeah. was old. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Sixty-eight. But for the seventies, I watched the same shows that I feel like everybody was watching. Um, Happy Days and. 
good times and I did watch All in the Family. I can't say it was a favorite, but I watched it. Jefferson, Sanford and Son. None of those being favorites, to be honest, but mm-hmm. Happy Days might be might have been one of my favorites because I identified with the Fonz. I thought I was the damn Fonz. I thought I was cool like that. Hey. Exactly. I was gonna say that. Hey, whoa, you know. Um, yeah, I, I really thought I was the Fonz. I didn't have a leather jacket, but I had a dungaree jacket I was quite fond of. Um, <laughs> you make do with what you got, baby. That's the story of my life. You know? Facts. What about you? Uh, favorites. I liked uh, Chico and the Man. Oh, yeah. Uh, welcome welcome back, Cotter. You know, when, oh. it, when I started, I have to say, when I started to see the images, you know, uh, expand, like, welcome back, Cotter, um, I became uh, really connected to um, shows like Mysteries and that kind of thing because I had a great aunt who was in love with, like, she turned me on to, like, the Ellery Queens and the Ironsides and all of that stuff. Um, we used to sneak and sneak and watch those together. And I was little with my feet dangling off, you know, not even feet <laughs> hitting the floor for the chair, but she taught me episodes and plots and, you know, and all that good stuff. Um, I got to say, it's uh, good times, of course, and, and um, Sanford and Son and uh, Flip Wilson's show. I love Flip Wilson. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I you watched. Know, I, had, uh, I had the Geraldine doll. It was Flip Wilson on one side and Geraldine Jones on the other. Oh wow! Well, um, oh here's a here's a bit of trivia for you. You know, our beloved Ulysses Carter, aka Pop, is a relative of Flip Wilson. Yeah, so that was yeah. that was yeah. Um, it's uh wow. Uh, show-wise, um, then, you know, of course, you know, you saw the Cosby show and then you got into a different world and all those other, other shows that kind of depicted us and uh, in, a, in a light that you saw yourself in, you know. You know right. I related to, to Mark's character only because at that time, you know, my mother um, was instrumental in having us come to the TV for shows like that and Roots back then. When oh, came, my we God. We had to sit and watch that as a family, right? Mm-hmm. That was, um, but you know what's interesting? Very... I just remembered what? the debut of the Jackson 5 cartoon. That oh. was amazing. When the Jackson 5 had their cartoon when it first came on, we were so excited. My mom, we would we would all we were all gonna sit upstairs in my mother's bedroom and watch the show. And my mother, my mother told my brother to go downstairs, close the window or open the window, whichever one, and um, 
turn on her coffee pot or turn off the pot, whatever it was, something with that. I'm sitting upstairs. My brother runs downstairs to do those quick things that she asked him to do. And in his haste, he threw his arm through the window and ripped open his vein, like his his wrist. So, of course, there goes my brother making sure that I never forget the debut of the Jackson 5 cartoon. But he did it because he was trying to hurry up, you know, rushing. Right. But that cartoon was also monumental because that was another way that we got to see the Jackson 5 weekly. And we got to see positive um, images of ourselves. Wasn't any black cartoon kids except maybe the Cosby show. The uh, Fat Albert. Fat Albert. That was my fave. Yeah. was another thing that was important during my childhood. And also, you know, there were other kids, now that I'm thinking about it, on Sesame Street. Um, Every now and then, there'd be black kids. And um, Morgan Freeman on Electric Company. Yes. Zoom. 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 That's true. You know, um, yeah, it was it was a good time the seventies. I mean, it was a bad time for a lot of people, but it was also a damn good time. Um, you know, cause and the music, the colors, the style, it was it was funky. It was it was something to have lived through. You know? Yeah, but for sure. I see online the brothers talking about online, the Partridge family. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And she mentioned the Wonder Woman cartoon. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Barney, which I had to laugh at. <laughs> Barney didn't come out until like the Barney, <laughs> 90s or something, the 80s or 90s. Uh, yeah, I, I, she heard me say anything. She heard me say Barnaby Jones, which was a, uh, uh, you know, he was a detective, but not Barney. <laughs> Barney the <laughs> cop, not the purple one. <laughs> you know what? Here's something and, else I'm gonna give you from the '70s. Speaking of family, and I know Warner Brothers, this does not belong to me. <laughs> so I'm gonna take this call from Mark Copage. Copage too, okay? And I'll be back with y'all. They just love to learn And another child grows up to be Somebody you just love to burn Mom loves the both of them You see it's in the blood Both kids are good and bomb Blood's thicker than the mud It's a family affair 
checking each other out. Hey, nobody wants to blow. Nobody wants to be left out. Uh huh. You can't leave 'cause your heart is there, but you you can't stay 'cause you've been somewhere else. You can't cry 'cause you look broke down, but you're crying anyway 'cause you're all broke down. It's a family affair. personal Sally Sally and um, he said he will be calling in in about 15 minutes so if y'all want to hang out so that we can um, chat it up with Mark that would be fabulous nice nice yeah Yeah. what do you say Loretta's going back and forth she said she was young with the Barnaby Jones yeah Loretta you probably were you know, speaking and of young, I'm, I'm surprised you remember that for this stuff. Oh, well, let me tell you something. I had, and see, that's the thing. That's why it's important. And you know what? Thank you for saying that. Yes, I was young. Was young at Julia, too. But it's important that the people in your life, and my mother always made sure, bless her heart, that our lives were very enriched with elders coming up. And as kids, we didn't feel forced to hang out with like our great grands and that, that sort of thing. And our great aunts, you know, and so we did what they did. You know, if they listened to this, we listened to it. If they had Mahalia on, we had Mahalia on, you know? So it was that kind of thing. And I think that, um, you know, as the generation gaps got closer, you know, um, we lost a lot of that. But if you, I impress upon you, if you have children in your life or even you yourself, Spend time with people in generations ahead and behind you because you'll learn so much and you can share so much with them. You know, um, I remember being five, hanging out with my great, great aunt that was like in her 70s. And I thought she was the coolest thing, you know, but of course, 70s then is a different between 70 now. You know, 70 now you could be homies with, you know, and not think about it. But she was, you know, considered to be the elder of the community at that time. And um, I remember her mannerisms, her style, her music and taste in food and, you know, all that stuff, which was shaped 
help shape the person that I am, you know. Oh absolutely. man, I see you. Absolutely, and um, my mother and I went to see. Well, me, I took my mom to see um, the Temptations last night. Um, not the Temptations, but the move, uh, the, the play. Ain't too proud. Um, mm-hmm. for her birthday, and they had. Um, played a tribute to the Cadillac, which is a group that came mm. that was out before the Temptations. And the song they sang, you know, my mother was singing along with it. Mm. So, and I know my mom is listening now. And so, mom, just so that you know, daddy used to play the Cadillacs all the time. And the very song that they sang, pretending to be the Cadillac, is one of the songs that Daddy played all the time, which is why I actually have it here on the show. And so I'm going to play it because they played it last night. And we're talking about, you know, learning something. So this is quick. It's Gloria and it's under three minutes. So let's do it.
know where I was going Ooh. with that. Oh, let me just say this really briefly. This show marks the beginning of Black History Month 2020. We have decided to kick off the month by celebrating the first television sitcom, which depicted positive roles for Black people. The show was called Julia and starred the always elegant and dignified Diane Carroll as the lead with today's special guest, Mark Copage, as her son, Corey. This was the first show that starred a black person in a non-stereotypical role. Julia was a nurse, strong, independent, beautiful, classy, and smart. Her son, Corey, was adorable, well-spoken, very articulate for a little boy, and well-mannered. He represented my brother. He represented me, all of us black kids in the late 60s and early 70s, who had to look far and wide for positive images of ourselves on the boob tube back then, right? I recall watching the show, just waiting for Corey's scenes. He represented us well. I don't know if he understood his role or the impact the show would have on millions, but he is a very important part of our history, Black history in America. The show was groundbreaking, and in retrospect, was the door opener for shows like The Cosby Show and Blackish, and even Good Times. It predated all of that. Um, we are very pleased to have our Corey, Mr. Mark Copage, television's first black child star on Brunch in the Basement with Javon and Therese. Welcome to the show, Mark. Well, thank you. I, I first have to offer you my apologies for playing into the stereotype, being your first guest for Black History Month, and here I am calling in late. <laughs> we love you. So I don't know if I had mentioned to you before, but I uh, uh, we lost our property manager at the property I work at, so now I've been doing two jobs, not only of the leasing agent but a property manager. And I got a call early this morning that a tenant had woke up and found bees in their apartment. So I had to deal with that situation, find somebody for it. And in the midst of all that, finally got back into bed at about 730. And I just completely forgot. And, And I was so out that when you called, I didn't even hear the phone ring. Wow. So my well, apologies once again. Look, real life takes, you know, takes precedence. You got to do what you got to do. You know what I mean? And yeah, we generally, I am early for, for things, generally speaking, as I detail in my, my, my memoir. There's a particular reason for that, which I won't go into. But uh, I am generally, uh, you know, I'm someone to get places early and just sit in the car and read a book. <laughs> wow. You know, I was reading um, an article that you, first of all, let me um, allow you to please say hello to my co-host, Therese. Hi, hey, Mark. co-host, Therese. How are you? Good. How, How are you doing? I'm well. I'm, I'm well. Thank I'm you a little frazzled, so if I seem a little, uh, dis- I mean, I literally rolled over, saw Javon had called, dashed to get my clothes on, called her, and said, I'll call you in 15. So nice. I'm still a little, a little, uh, 
disoriented. It's been quite a an evening for me. But other than that, great. I'm glad you can give us any part of your day today, Chloe. Thank you. Oh, well, well it is sorry, my honor. <laughs> I keep calling you it's... Corey because I, I swore I, I swore you were my first television boyfriend. Yeah. So no, was, no. Corey was so part of the dialogue. So forgive me if that slips every now and again, but I do know. Mark, no worries. You. And it's it's amazing the people that still come up to me today and tell me they were named after my character. Yeah, isn't that significant for us? Say that again. It was that significant for us then. Absolutely. Yes, and I'm honored to have played my small small role in that historical show. Did you have any sense of how important it was back then? I know you were just a little boy, but did you? No, not back then. Not back then. The significance didn't. Uh, become uh, obvious to me until much, much later than life when still into my 20s and 30s and 40s. And even today, not as much, because unfortunately, you know, a large section of my audience has passed passed on. But when people still recognize you from all those years, I think it, it really is due to the fact that because you were, you know, one of very few African-American faces that you saw on television and most particularly in non-stereotypical roles. Right. right. And not only, not only one of you were the first black child star um, on television. Brought to me by, by Miss Carol's, uh, brought to my attention by Miss Carol, actually, when I was having dinner with her one evening. Please tell us the story. What? Well, just she, you know, was asking what I was up to and, and, you know, what she could do for me. And I had never thought about it. I mean, I, I just don't really think in those terms of my own significance in history, for lack of better words. But uh, that was one of the things I told her that uh, that I planned on writing a book. And she told me, she's the one that told me that I should call it uh, television's first black child star. I mean, hopefully, I mean, who knows, by the time I get to a publisher, who knows how things could change and what their their thoughts might be. But she is the one that actually came up with the title for my book. Wow, nice. It has been brought to my attention about the Our Gang comedies, but then it was also brought to my attention that the Our Gang comedies was actually a movie, uh, a series of movie reels to be played in movie theaters that only later transferred to television. So uh, taking that into account, it actually makes me television's first black child star. Exactly. Right. Right. So I am told. Yeah. No, I I believe that to be true. Um, I almost forgot. Shout out to Stymie and um, what's what's the other one? Buckwheat. 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 Yes. Yeah. But, so that you was know, before my time, but but that was actually for the movie theaters. So I guess right. they were the first, if not the first, um, black movie child stars. Absolutely, I'm glad that you mentioned them. Um, you know, we have to pay honor to them. Um, and and this is not to take anything away from their contribution. 
but they were also somewhat stereotypical in their role, their roles. Yes, they, yeah. You you know what I mean? Um, yeah, absolutely. They were, and again, not to take anything away from them because you know, they they uh, you know, unfortunately, our society our society did not allow anything more than those kind of images to be played at that time. But there were a lot of uh, very, uh, I mean, there was black royalty even back then in real life. Uh, you know, it was still very hard and difficult. But, I mean, even if you looked at that movie, period, uh, I don't know if you saw that. And I've seen countless other movies where there was, uh, you know, black people that were quite successful. And what was that town that they completely burned down that that, that all of them were thriving in that community and and the the white population came over and burnt up that whole town. I wish I could think of exactly what was that? That was in Oklahoma, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, black people have thrived for centuries. For centuries, yeah. Let me ask you, when you, do you recall when you were filming the show, um, because none of your dialogue was um it didn't it didn't appear to be um slang or any of that stuff was that intentional and who helped you to study your lines well my father would read the scripts to me and i would memorize the whole script and from what I'm told, I would even correct the other actors in the middle of scenes, much, much to their disdain. I mean, a nice, friendly kind of disdain. But uh, I would tell the actors when they were saying their lines wrong because I had, you know, I couldn't read at the time, so my father had to read the script to me, and I would memorize it that way. So I knew all the lines of the whole script. Wow. And and how Cantor, the creator and director and producer, uh, wrote many of the episodes, but then there were other writers as well. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't, you know, slang wasn't a part of my vernacular. So I guess they were writing, catering to me. And, you know, they, they didn't try to write it. And, 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 you know, if I'm playing Diane Carroll's son, slang wasn't a, uh, part of her vernacular as well as the character's vernacular. So it just kind of worked. Look at that. See, when you, when you base a show or when you have, um, when, when you, when the person influences the dialogue, you know, that that's legendary, you know, um, because just as you said, in reverence, playing Diana Carroll's son, did not afford that piece, you know. Um, so <laughs> exactly, if they would have hired someone whose natural language was more slang, it wouldn't have uh, it wouldn't have seemed right. <laughs> they would have seemed like they were coming from two different backgrounds. Right. And 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 one of my favorites that she also did too was Claudine. And oh, even yeah, in absolutely. That, That's where, uh, I mean, you know, of course I'm biased, but I think she should have won an Academy Award for that because that was totally oh, different than 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 her. Uh, I mean, she could definitely relate to a, a lot of it on different levels, but 
she didn't really come up from that kind of a background, you know, her, her parents were not, uh, you know, she was never on welfare or anything like that. Her, you know, both her parents were, um, um, you know, non-stereotypical blacks of the time. And affluent. But, but yeah, affluent is the word that I want to use. Um, you know, I believe her father owned, you know, property and, you know, Miss Carroll certainly learned a lot about that because, you know, I know she picked up a lot of properties throughout the course of her lifetime. Um, but, uh, yeah, you kind of, uh, I mean, that's probably what, one of the reasons I got cast as well. Do you have any, any real memory of being on the show? I mean, you were so young. I, I I wonder if there are episodes or anything that you actually remember the most or, or anything that's especially special about the show to you. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, different little memories. I mean, probably my favorite episode was a three-part episode we did uh, where we shot in Las Vegas. Uh, Cleavon Little was one of the guest stars for that episode, and Gary Crosby, who's Bing wow. was Bing Crosby's son, and I just remember having a wonderful time with them, and you know, going on dune buggy rides across the uh, desert with them. Um, uh, first time I'd ever uh, been to Las Vegas, and of course, the lights uh, and glitz was all quite breathtaking. Um, you know, I, I could, of course, being at my age, I, I couldn't hang out at the casinos, but I do remember getting quite an eyeful walking uh, to my room through the casino or, you know, in that area. Um, I think, uh, you know, if I, for some reason I seem to recall, you know, seeing quite, a, quite a, an, an, an eyeful. I'm not sure if it was from a showgirl or something going through the lobby or just a scantily clad woman that was in Vegas. But, uh, it, uh, you know, it was, it was very eye-opening. And Cleavon Little is just one of the most gracious, wonderful, funny people that you'd ever want to meet and work with. And Gary Crosby, uh, that, that hands down was my favorite uh, Julia episode, those three episodes we shot in Las Vegas. Nice, nice. Do you have um, any memories of what your exchanges were with Miss Carol directly? Um, did she kind of mentor you, per se? I've read some of the articles, um, particularly around her passing, um, and I read uh, one of your uh, New York Times articles as well, um, which was, by the way, very well done. Um, and I hope you liked the outcome of it. I, I enjoy reading it, reading it um, because it kind of shared a lot, and it was a very, very, um, very, what else? How do I want to call it? Very inside look. Um, also. What what fond takeaways do you have, and are they going to be a part of your book or your your memoir? Well, of course, my experiences with Diana are going to be in my book. Um, I don't know if she really played the role so much as a mentor as a as much as a mother. I mean, I didn't have a mother at the time. 
uh, the producers, you know, in fact, you know, at the very beginning, uh, you know, I would run away from Diane's kisses because, you know, I just never had female energy really in my life. And I guess boys, you know, at that age too, are a little, you know, bashful around women. But the producers had suggested that I start spending some time, you know, with Diane at her home, which I began doing. And very soon after that, I started asking her to come home with her because, uh, you know, I really took to her in a motherly way and I, I was really missing that kind of energy in my life. Um, unfortunately, when the show ended, um, there was, you know, it ended very abruptly. You know, no one really, you know, gave me any warnings about it ending or sat me down and explained to me about that. And there was a little bit of conflict with my father and Diane, too. I mean, she wasn't particularly happy the way she thought that he was handling my finances and things. She had asked me a number of times to perform with her in Vegas, which for whatever reason he didn't want to do, which, you know, certainly didn't, uh, you know, he certainly didn't encourage me to continue a relationship with her. Uh, I certainly wish I, I – I would have had her as a mentor, especially when I got older and actually wanted to pursue a acting career full time. She would have been a great mentor, uh, not to mention, you know, she's a wonderful singer and singing is another one of my passions. Uh, it would have been great to, to, uh, to get mentorship from her, but I think a lot of why our relationship wasn't sustained. And though I had seen her, over the course of the years at different occasions, you know, a lot of times people, you know, when they were honoring her, uh, they would have me, uh, quote unquote, surprise her. Um, I know after SAG did a thing honoring uh, great mothers of television and she was one of like five women being honored and they had me surprise her with some, pro uh, with some, uh, with some flowers then. Um, I know Donnie and Marie, uh, when they had their TV show, they had me surprise her then. Um, TV Land, when they gave her the groundbreaking award, they had me surprise her then alongside Halle Berry, who is certainly quite easy on the eyes. Um, <laughs> but um, and, and it was always – she was always generally interested in what I was doing and me to keep her up to date. But as far as the sustained relationship over the years, and, you know, a lot was me too. Um, you know, I didn't want to be reaching out to her just because she is who she is. So, um, uh, you know, I wish I perhaps would have made more attempts, especially during the latter part of her life. I had no idea her cancer was as advanced as it was. I mean, the last time I saw her, she had told me that her cancer had come back. I didn't really pursue that line of questioning. Uh, I, I was in denial, I must say. I just could not fathom that it was something that she would not be able to get over. Uh, but I think that in retrospect, she knew. Uh, I mean, she looked great, and we had a lovely evening. Um, but And she asked me, she said, and, and what what can I do for you? And she'd actually never said that to me before. <laughs> the other times when I, I mean, just point blank, I'm not to say she's saying she wouldn't have if I would have asked, but she never 
point blank said, what can I do to help you? Uh, and, you know, again, I'm not really someone looking for things for people, but I did mention that I was, uh, that I was thinking about writing this book and, uh, you know, when she suggested that title for me, but, um, but, but long story short, I, I think that she, she really did know that, that her time was getting near. It was probably maybe a year and a half before she actually passed. And she had talked about, uh, moving back to New York which she never did from what I understand, you know, well, I know she was still here in LA um, when she passed, but, uh, but especially at that point, you know, and I guess you hear this story time and time again about how you wish you would have done this and wish you would have done that. And unfortunately, as many times as we hear that story, it still plays in our own lives. I mean, I, I really wish I would have reached out to her, her more than, um, um, you know, I reached out to her a handful or so of times and we spoke on the phone, but I should have, you know, I should have, you know, insisted we get together for lunch or, or but she was, you know, I, who knows where she was at then. I don't know what stage she was at with her illness. Um, you know, I know the last time I saw her, she did say that her cancer had returned. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's um, given, and thank you for sharing that. Um, I think given the the energy of this week, considering the tragic loss of the um, yeah yeah, it, it kind of puts you. If that's one thing you know we can take away from um, having you, you haven't shared your moment and the moment that we've all experienced as a country here um, with the helicopter. And I'm speaking about, you know, of course, Kobe Bryant and the other passengers of the helicopter is that, you know, we have life and then we have those stolen moments. And, you know, it is certainly and and also which ironically is the theme of this show kind of um, with giving people their flowers while they can and smell them and, and reaching out and contacting and touching base with people that we feel were a part of that. And if they didn't know we loved them, then we're here to tell you we loved you, you know, and the impact that you had and coming on to share and, and, and vibe because, and, and quite like other, different from other formats, I should say, you don't have to have anything going on. And we say this to artists all the time. You don't have to have a current project. You know, it doesn't matter. You still exist. You are relevant to us. You've made a significant time stamp, and we just like to catch up and say hi and or thank you, you know? Yeah, but, well, um, that is something that I can at least feel good about is that the very last time that I spoke to her, I did tell her that I, how much I loved her. And I do feel good that I was able to do And I had no idea, you know, what degree of her illness she was in. You know, she sounded fine over the phone. But I did tell her I loved her, and I'm glad that I was able to do that. There was there was this one episode that I recall when um, I can't remember her actual name. I think it's Olsen, but the little blonde from Susan Olsen from the Brady Bunch. Do you recall that episode? Uh, Yeah, a little bit. I think it had something to do with racial things. I think her mother was like a racist. 
or father was a racist or maybe both of them and didn't want her child playing with a a African-American. I'm thinking something along those lines. I'm not exactly right. positive. But, yes, but, yeah. one, of your, one of your lines was, um, let's, let's play Indians and let's – and we can capture a white woman or something like that. You said, I'm just, <laughs> that was so bold. That's such a bold line, but I'm just wondering like an episode like that, that was so full of racism was, were those things explained to you back then by your dad or Ms. Carol or anyone else? Good question. Not really. You know, I really didn't have that whole, you know, especially, then I mean you know I remember the first time I was called nigger excuse my language was after the show I guess when you are on a on a highly watched television show you don't most people won't call you that to your face so it's a, a real slap in the face of a, a, a slap of reality when when for the first time you do hear that um, I wasn't and I grew up in a predominantly Jewish environment, actually. Mm. Um, so, but it is interesting because I remember going on the dating game show. Uh, they would often have celebrity guests, and in this case, I was a celebrity guest looking for a date with my for my father, and I ended mm. up choosing this light skin white uh, white a light skin black girl, and in in actuality the only reason I, I I chose her was because Batman and Robin was my favorite television show at the time and she had told me she would make me a Batman and Robin outfit. So I chose <laughs> her and I later found out that Howard Hughes came very close to buying the ABC network because he saw that episode and was so infuriated that I had picked a white woman to go out with my black father that he wanted to buy that network to prevent that kind of thing from ever happening again. So that was oh, wow. kind of interesting. And just as a side note, that woman never did make me that Batman and woman, a uh, Batman and Robin costume. What? <laughs> oh, did she go out with your dad? Yeah. So they went to Italy and I got a small oh. color TV. So I guess, you know, who came out on the better end on that deal. Wow. That is very, very interesting. See, Miss a show, Miss a lot. Nobody would have that those details outside of this show and in your memoirs. So <laughs> you you did um the dating game and you also were in other shows outside of after after Julia. Let's talk a little bit yeah. more about your career, your acting well, career. I periodically did, did guest roles on different shows. I did it uh, Temperatures Rising that, uh, with Cleavon Little again, uh, mm. Stanford and Son, where I got to play uh, Red Fox as a kid. I remember the first day, table read, uh, I unwittingly <laughs> go to sit at the front of the table, which was Mr. Fox's chair and right as I was about to bend my knees Red Fox says don't bend your knees son that's it's something to the effect of that's my I mean he's very nice and funny 
you know, I'm not nearly being as funny as he was, but it was really funny him telling this 12 or 13 year old kid at the time, you know, you better not sit in my chair. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so he was cool though. I really, I really enjoyed working that show. Uh, the whole cast was wonderful. I think it was at Lamont that played his son. Lamont, I'm forgetting the last name. But that was a wonderful yeah. show to be on and do. And, you know, a handful of uh, afternoon specials. And I had a small role in uh, uh, the movie The Kid with uh, Billy, uh, with uh, with uh, Bruce Willis. Um, a couple of pilots that didn't go, one with Nicolas Cage and Crispin Glover. Uh, unfortunately, that pilot didn't get picked up, so it certainly did not hurt Nicolas Cage's career. Uh, I also went to school with Nicolas Cage and Lenny Kravitz and you know, wow. a lot of people that have become quite successful and graduated from my high school. Very nice. Very interesting. Out of all of the people that you've met, except for Diane Carroll, who clearly you've had an interesting relationship with throughout the years, what other um, celebrity would you say? I would say the person that had the biggest impact on me, I won't say on my life, but just uh, impact as far as me being a big fan was uh, Michael Jackson. Hmm. Uh, I met him at an Image Awards show where I had been called to uh, present an award to Diana Ross. Mm. And uh, he had come up and asked me for my autograph. And because I was presenting this award to Diana Ross, my father had been kind of telling me what to say. And I was so distracted with my father in my ear, coaching me, telling me what I should be saying when I presented this award that uh, I didn't even, it did not even register that it was Michael Jackson. So when I did find out who that was that came up to my table, I, of course, almost wet my pants because I, like many, you know, was dancing around in my living room holding an Afro pick in my hand as a microphone singing ABC and I want you back. Mm -hmm. So I run over to their table and ask all of them for their autographs uh, but that was probably one of, well, probably it was the most, the person that impressed me the most. I mean, I've met countless celebrities, especially at that time in my life. I mean, I did later, you know, when I had gotten into catering too, because I did a lot of big parties, but it's different. You're more their servant, but you know, at that time I was more their equal. Um, um, and what was I saying? I'm at that age where I lose my train of thought. Um, so, uh, oh, oh, this is what I was going to say. So celebrities never really, like, acting, singing, well, acting celebrities never. It was really sports sports artists that that, that, uh, that really impressed me, like Joe Namath and, and Muhammad Ali. I got to meet um, Ali. He was showing me um, magic tricks. It was a uh, some beauty pageant that uh, that I was uh, either a guest or hosting or something like that. But uh, uh, Ali came in with like an entourage, and he, and he picked me up, and you know he started showing me magic tricks. <laughs> um, 
and Will Chamberlain, like at another event, uh, uh, probably the, the the tallest person I'd ever seen in in my life <laughs> at that point. Well, probably still today. But uh, you know, I remember him hoisting me onto his shoulders, and and it felt like I was looking down from like the entire Empire State Building. So those kind of things are the things that really impressed me was when I met sports people because I was more into sports. Yeah, I really didn't um, become interested in acting again until my last semester of my junior year in high school. I remember I was doing a play called Slow Dance on the Killing Ground, and uh, my teacher at the time, John Engel, who has since passed, John Engel, he actually went on to, uh, after retiring from being a teacher, he got cast as the eldest quartermain on General Hospital. Uh, really a mentor to to many people uh you know he's since passed but i think he had a probably about a dozen year run as as the patriarch of the quarter mains on general hospital but anyway i do this monologue from slow dance on the killing ground and i kind of thought i was a little underprepared but for whatever reasons he saw something in me and just went on and on about my performance and that really lit a a fire under me. And from that moment on, I really wanted to be a, a good actor. Um, before it was just mainly my father having me go on different auditions, you know, where I would have rather been playing with my friends, uh, you know, at the schoolyard than, than really going out on any auditions. It just wasn't something that really interested me at that time. It wasn't until I would say that, that, last semester of my junior year in high school. And and are you still pursuing acting? Uh not really. I you know, every now and then a friend of mine will call me to do some uh to do a play or some voiceover work. Um um you know, I did a little ADA artwork in uh what's that movie called about that big whale? The Meg, that's what it's called. Which is mm. nice because, you know, you still get residuals like you were acting. <laughs> and you are mm-hmm. acting. You're just acting with your voice. Um, but every now and then if a friend calls, but, you know, it's just I'm at that point in life where I just don't want to be going on these last-minute auditions in Hollywood for a, a couple of lines on some show. Um my main focus is finishing this book. You know, hopefully I can get a book deal and, uh, you know, a one person show would not be out of the question based on the book book would even, uh, 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 based on the book and, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe it could be turned into a movie or something. I mean, it's definitely very, uh, I mean, I cover a lot of, of things, uh, not only from my time, working in uh working on Julia but you know my time working in the adult entertainment field working for a, a sex therapist working as a Hollywood cater waiter um and just life in general i mean my whole kind of theme is if you've lived a certain amount of time on this planet everyone has at least one story to tell that you don't necessarily have to have been 
on a hit television show in order to tell your story. You know, if you made it a certain amount of years, you've, you've got some you've got some stories to tell. Did you say an adult entertainment? Yeah. What exactly? Behind you don't the mind scenes, I know everyone's mind generally jumps to me being in front of the camera, but it was behind the camera. There was an actor strike going on at the time, and a friend of mine offered me a full-time job. He was working for an arm of Vivid Entertainment, which was probably, if not still, the leading adult distribution company in in the country. And he had offered me a a job working for him, which I took. But uh, but that was quite an eye opening experience as well. And then later working for Playboy Television. Um, so you know, there's definitely some. It, 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 I, I've definitely lived a full life. <laughs> Let's just put it that way for now. I, I'm already. I'm already interested in this memoir for sure. Please yeah. uh, guarantee us when it's completed, you will come on so we can chop it up uh, about that when it's done. Absolutely. And we, are sure. face, we are Facebook friends, so you will know when it's completed. Absolutely. Nice. So not only that, you have, to, you have to have an audio version of the book. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I plan to actually do the audio version. That would be great, nice. Mark. And, Mara, see, and you see how all these, all these pieces connect. Especially, I need an My audience is not getting any younger, and I think we all could use that extra help. Our eyes aren't as good as they were 20 years ago. Exactly. exactly. I think that's what all that voiceover work uh, was uh, uh, training you for, ultimately doing your own audio books. So this ought to be good. Yeah. Well, I am. I am. I am definitely looking forward to doing that. Nice. <laughs> Great. Mark, we want to thank you so much for being on the show. Um, look, um, Rez, if you want to rapid fire him alone, you can do it. I can't. I think we will let Mr. Mark have a great rest of the day. And thank you very again, much, ladies. But, but before you go, it can was you a tell pleasure. people where they can find you? Are you on any social media accounts? How can people find you to follow you? I am. They can find me under Mark Copage, but put a put a note that that you uh, that you uh, like if you can put some notes saying that that because you list they listen to your show because the only thing that I'm really active now is my personal account and I kind of like to have some idea who they are. I mean, of course, after Miss Carol's passing, I, I got a bunch of friend requests, but I actually mm. went through those and made sure they kind of fit within my demographics, which is a certain certain demographic that I'm aware that I have. Um, I'm just more comfortable kind of having some kind of idea who they are. So, But if they say okay. that, you know, they found me because they listened to your show, then I can accept them. I'm trying to get some other things going. I do have a, a, a more of a... I have a, I didn't even start it. A friend of mine did. Um, and, you know, I kind of use it as just a place to put some of my old Julia pictures, but it's called Mark Copage for Dancing with the Stars. I, I have to figure out how to link that page up and I have to figure out, I have an Instagram and a Twitter, but I'm never on there. So I have to, if I can figure out how to link them all up, I'll be much more active on those things. Um, it's just so time consuming. Uh, even with the Facebook friends I have, it, it gets 
very time consuming. And how can oh. I finish a book if I'm spending all my time on social media? So I'm trying to figure out a way to link all those. But right now, the the one that I'm most active on is is my personal page. And I, I'll okay. send you I'll send you a link to something that I use that helps me out. Yeah, I would love love that because you know I. I I am under the understanding that you do have to be active in social media and it has to be off more than one platform. But if I can yeah. figure out how I can link platforms, it would, it would uh, get me that much closer to, to doing the things that I know you need to do, you know, especially if you intend on promoting a book at some point. Absolutely. So you heard it here and you heard it from Mark himself. If you'd like to follow him, just, you know, let him know that you heard, of him from the show and um, I'll stay in touch with you because we definitely want to have you back and help you to promote your book or anything else that you're doing, Mark. Um, you're like family to us, family that you didn't know you had. Um, yep. You're well, like well, Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate that. And it was a, a delight having spoken with both of you two fine women. Yes, you're a Thank great you. guy. I love you, Mark. Hope to talk to you again soon, huh? And I'll be in your right. your direct message soon. Have you a great too. day. Both of, you, both of you have a blessed day. That was wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much awesome. to Russ holding it down today. Man, and you know how we do. Yes, thank you everybody for being patient with my bad mouth day. I'm going to now take the narcotic that was prescribed by my doctor and hopefully it knocks me out so that I don't feel any of this anymore. Oh and, man, um, I hope you feel better. Yeah, take it easy. Yeah. Oh, so we have to play a song on the outro. And since he mentioned everybody's favorite group from the 70s, the Jackson 5, then we have to go that way, don't we? Hey, why not? So what do we want? Do we want maybe tomorrow, never can say goodbye? Never can say goodbye. And you know what? That that I would just I was just thinking about never can say goodbye and I just want to also say uh, prayers and condolences from brunch in the basement with Javon and Therese to the Bryant family and all of the families affected in that devastating devastating helicopter accident and um, yeah it's never can say goodbye that's perfect yeah which was written by the way by. Clifton Davis, who has a history with our very own Auntie Melba Moore. We'll talk about that when we try to get, I'm going to try to see if we can get her back on before the end of Black History Month. That would be great um, because I'm sure she can help us unravel, un, unwrap some Black history. So um, with that, Therese, I know what you're going to be doing soon and very soon. So please give everybody my love. And um, I love you all. Be worthy. Stay worthy of the bullet coming to get you. And so since 
Well, I'm not going to say goodbye because never can say goodbye. So I'll talk to y'all later. Have a good rest of your weekend. Peace. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.